Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right. Another week, and the players may be off, but we are still rolling along here as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 74. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell, who's going to join us to talk about that outstanding Eagles win over the Pittsburgh Steelers that propelled them to 3-0. and There is a lot to discuss about this team on both sides of the ball, and with no opponent to preview this week, we really dive deep into everything that led to this win in that segment. Then I'm going to wrap this show up with two technique, where this week I caught up with Eagles center Jason Kelsey to talk about blocking up the cross-dog blitz as an interior offensive lineman. We've got a ton to get into, so let's not waste any time. Greg and I talk about a huge Eagles win on both sides of the football. Let's get to that interview now in Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. Joining me here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, as he does each and every week, NFL Film Senior Producer Greg Cosell. Greg, welcome to the bye week. I know that falls on deaf ears because it's not a bye week for you. No, no, no. <laughs> but I was curious, did uh, you purchase your tickets for Houston yet? Not yet. Uh, it's on my Another week or list. two. Yeah, another, week, another okay. week or two. Obviously, look, uh, an awesome win. I'm just trying to enjoy oh. one week at a time. Hey. That's all I can do, one week at a time. All you can do, look, the bottom line is we don't know what the future holds. Is it likely that Carson Wentz, who's been absolutely terrific through three games, is going to play this way every single week? It's No, it's not likely. But all we have is what we've seen for three games, and it's been pretty good, Fran. And it's been pretty good in so many different ways. Yeah, and absolutely. So it's been, it's, been, it's been fun for someone like myself going into my 37th year at NFL Films and having seen a lot of players, and maybe in some ways I'm jaded, you know, just because you see so much. But this has been pretty exciting. I mean, 37 years, so you started watching film at films when you were three? Two, but thank Two. you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, look, look, Carson mm-hmm. Wentz, a lot of reasons to be excited, like you said, and he showed a lot of those traits again on Sunday against the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. You saw uh, the poise in the pocket. Yep. You saw the ability to keep his eyes downfield under pressure, uh, be able to work in the on the move, the functional mobility at times as well. Uh, a lot of really exciting things. What was the throw – that impressed you most on Sunday? Was it the long throw to, to Darren Sproles, or was there another play that stood out to you most? You mean the one where the touchdown? Yes. Well, that was more of a of a play as opposed to a throw. No doubt. Because as you know, because I know you look at the tape as well, that play was designed to go to the left. Yep. And actually, he would have had Matthews. That was We've talked about this concept. That was a three-level stretch in which Matthews actually did a great job of reading the coverage and throttling down instead of continuing to the corner. And it would have been there. The throw would have been there. But there was inside pressure off a stunt. And Carson Wentz had to move. What I Again, but when you watch him, I think what you notice most, and that play reflected it, there's a poise even when he moves. There's a purpose to his movement. And I thought that that play, in the short sample size that we have, that was a positive because he could have run there. Yep. And he could have gained some yards. But instead of running, he stayed totally composed, stayed behind the line of scrimmage, forced Ryan Shazier to commit one way or the other. And, of course, Shazier took two steps up, 
and he just lofted over him. I'll tell you what, what I find most impressive, if you're just talking overall points, not specific sure. plays, yep. is he's shown the ability to drive the ball with big-time velocity, and he's also shown the ability to throw with great touch and pace. And for a young quarterback with not a ton of experience, that to me is really impressive. The ball placement as well, I think, yes. has been really strong. And the Eagles had a huge, huge yards after catch game. Obviously, look, Darren Sproles had two huge plays. Right. But it wasn't just that. I mean, they had right. over 200 yards of yards after catch. It was the third best outing of any team in the NFL all season long. And Bill Walsh will say, as Bill Walsh right. will say, uh, the yards after catch is as much a factor of uh, the quarterback as is of the receivers. Which, and I've always believed that. And look, are there some receivers who are better? Sure. But I think... When you hit receivers in stride, particularly in the short passing game, and that's a significant part of what the Eagles do because it's that West Coast methodology. They still have that within their system. Um, That is so critical to hit receivers right in stride. I mean, I know Bill Walsh was a believer. He'd he'd have Joe Montana make throws over and over again if he didn't hit the receiver right where he was supposed to hit him. And I always remember Ron Jaworski telling me a great story when he was with the Rams early in his career, and he was throwing to Harold Jackson. Some people might remember him, great receiver back in the 70s. And Jaws would throw, and uh, Chuck Knox was the coach at the time and would say to him, where are you throwing that? And Jaws would say, to Harold. And Chuck would say, no, where were you throwing it? And Jaws would say, to Harold Jackson. And he kept asking him until he said, no, no, where are you throwing it? In other words, where are you aiming to throw the ball? And accuracy, ball placement, it could be as critical a trait in the NFL as any. Uh, It's one of the things that I think uh, I have taken away over the last couple years in watching the quarterback position is just the value of good ball placement, good accuracy from the position, which obviously is a a very important trait. The screen game became a a huge part of the Eagles offense this past week as we're talking about yards after catch. What was it that impressed you most about the screen game? We had been waiting for it because we expected the screen game to be a very big part of the Doug Peterson offense. How they present it. Yeah. I mean, the, the third play of the game was the screen to Sproles. And if you picked it up, let's say, right when Sproles caught the ball, <laughs> you would have just said, oh, it's a screen. Yep. But it's how they're presenting their screens. Like that particular play had inside zone run action, had reverse action. The, the three underneath defenders, two linebackers and safety Mike Mitchell, First, the linebacker, Fort 54, hit the inside run action really hard. Then Timmons and Mike Mitchell, they they reacted to the reverse action. And all of a sudden, you throw a screen to Sproles. Like I said, it's just a basic screen. And all of a sudden, there's one defender there, and the next defender, I believe, was 24 yards down the field. And you had three blockers out in front. Same thing, and I I think it might have been the third quarter when they threw the screen to – to Burton, to Trey Burton, to Trey Burton when, yep. when they faked the screen right and came back left. So it's, it's the presentation of basic play concepts. I think that's what is really impressive. The, uh, you talk about just the, the concept or the construct of those plays. We were watching the, the game you know, back on Monday morning, and Ben Fennell, who does a great job working with me, producing Eagles Game Plan and the Eagle Eye in the Sky article, uh, he, he made a really good observation, and that was – that the, the screen to Sproles early in the game on that first drive had the same action, all the action that you talked about in the backfield with the orbit motion and uh, you know the, the run action initially was the same exact motion that they had shown in the Pittsburgh game in the preseason on that big catch for uh, Brent Selleck in a three-level stretch where it looked exactly right, the same right. in the backfield. So not only are you getting to the same play 
from different formations, you're getting to different plays from the, from same, the same looks, look, which is right. also I mean the multiplicity right. of this offense right. we've talked about and, is and, so great. And that to me is really what offense is about. And and because theoretically everybody runs the same plays. Yeah. You know, right. I mean, there's only so many ways you can right, move the 11 right. pieces on a board. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of teams that run three level stretch as a staple pass concept in the NFL. There's a lot of teams that run what we call the 96 combination, which is something the Eagles do as well. But it's how you present those plays. How do you get to those plays? You want the same plays to look different. You want different plays to look the same. I mean, it's it's all in the presentation of the plays. And then, Greg, one of the big things we talked about last week in preparation for the Pittsburgh game was how this would be a different kind of test for Carson Wentz in terms of yeah. what he was going to see defensively, that this defense was going to be a little bit different in how they present coverage and the, the different zone concepts. We didn't see much of the, the cover no, two trap. No, But did see obviously mainly zone. What did you think of how Carson Wentz did against the zone coverage? There was a lot of short stuff early, but right. what, what was it? Which they've done in almost every game to yeah. get him comfortable. Sure. And that is so critical. You get a quarterback completions early in the game, and from what I'm told, obviously I'm not a quarterback playing on Sundays, but from what I'm told, that is so critical because you get him comfortable. Now, in watching that game both live and on tape, I never really got the impression, Fran, that Carson Wentz ever really struggled to understand what he was looking at. Did you feel he ever? No. I, I mean. That goes back to the calmness, yeah, too. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I just felt like, you know, the, the plays were called. He knew where to go with the football. Um, maybe there was one or two where you thought, okay, maybe he should have turned it loose on that one, and he didn't. But they were few and far between. I just felt that he was very comfortable with what he was seeing. It's a, It's been a consistent theme throughout the course of the first three games and something that obviously uh, has helped propel him to national stardom at this oh. point and, and where he's at getting shout-outs from the vice president. I mean, you're not even uh, – I mean, you're, you're pretty close getting to shout-outs from Joe Biden on Twitter and, and things like that. Nature. I don't get shout-outs from Joe Biden, <laughs> just so you know. All right, well, let's let's stay in the past game and, and there, let's talk about these receivers for a little yeah. bit because obviously uh, the bye week, it's a time of reflection and, and, try, and self-scouting from a, a coaching standpoint. But from the fans, I think it's a time to kind of look and see, all right, where are we at? It's early on still. But what is your general takeaway from looking at these receivers and how they're deployed so far uh, in this Doug Peterson offense in year one? I'll tell you, the receiver I'm probably most intrigued with as we go forward is Doriel Green-Beckham. Yeah, I would agree. You know, I think... 100%. Yeah, I think that he brings a lot to the table. And uh, even though that deep ball in the third quarter, I think it was, was not caught, I was really happy to see that because essentially up to this point, he's been used primarily as a short receiver, hitches... Uh, slants, quick in-breakers. He did catch the um, the 19-yarder on third down, that 96 combination. Great which zone was beater. Yep. Great zone beater. Um, but I think his skill set is such that he can become a relatively complete type receiver in the context of this offense. Because this is not a true vertical offense. You know, this is not the Bruce Arians offense where you're running deep vertical combination routes on a consistent basis. Every once in a while you'll see something like that. Uh, but I think within the context of this offense, uh, assuming the learning curve keeps going in the right direction and all good things keep happening, I think he can become, uh, for want of a better term, the number one receiver. But, you know, I think this offense doesn't have a true number one in the way we think of number I think that's ones. that's fair, yeah. But I think he can become the most uh, the most difficult player 
to defend within the context of this offense. Let's put it that way. Two of the biggest takeaways <clears throat> for me with Doriel Green Beckham, they actually both happened this past week against Pittsburgh. One was a comment that I made actually when we were watching the game on Sunday was every time they showed Carson Wentz and the quarterbacks on the sideline going through tape, you almost always could see Doriel Green Beckham right next right to him. Next to him. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Number two, Doro Greenbeckham, before he caught that dig on the third and long play, they went to him on second and long, and he dropped the pass on the, right. on the other sideline. Yep. And he went right back to him. And, and just the confidence. I, I know, look, it's, some of that stuff can be overplayed a little bit in relationships with quarterback and receiver. But the fact that he went right back to him, that Doug Peterson made that call, had him in that position, Wentz felt good getting him the ball. I, that's something. Those were the two big takeaways for me coming out of that game, as well as the expanded role, seeing him on that vertical route. Down and I'm real anxious to see as we go forward. And I know he's not going to play 60 snaps a game. And he's, you know, for for those who love fantasy, he's not going to catch 80 balls for a thousand yards. But I'm still real anxious to see Trey Burton's role going forward, because I think of the tight ends, he's the most explosive. Now, when I say explosive, like I said, he's not going to catch. You know, he's not going to catch 70-yard touchdowns, although he can run the vertical seam. Yeah. I mean, he's an explosive athlete for a tight end. And I think that there's a definite place for him in this offense. And I'm real anxious to see, coming off the bye week, where that goes. Because obviously, Ertz, I assume, will be back. That would be the assumption. And the other thing, too, is a lot of people have made a thing on, you know, just in watching this team about the, you know, the quote-unquote, the 6-0 line, the 7-0 line sets. Really, to me, and I, who knows? They, I might be wrong about this. To me, those are three tight end sets, and that's going to be right. Zach Ertz when right. he comes back. Right. So how they use Zach Ertz and Trey Burton and Brent Salick on the field at the same time, we saw a little bit of it in the preseason, both in the run game and the pass game, but excited to see them really kind of open it up a little bit more now in the regular season now that all three guys are healthy. Yeah, and, and what I really love about the pass game is even though it's, it's predominantly a short pass game, you know, get the ball out, they take just enough shots and they design just enough plays to, to get the ball downfield. The one play where Carson went off play action was a shot play where he ran. He took took off and ran for the first down. I think it was an 11-yard run. Ran out of bounds. Didn't right. I remember that play. Trey Burton was running a deep post. And yes. pretty good doing yes, it. Yes, yes, yes. And then he, he just overthrew Burton on that other play. Where you could, yes. Could he have caught it? Maybe. But, I mean, that was – you know, Burton has that kind of ability. No doubt. No doubt. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk about the offensive line because yeah. I thought that this was their best game uh, of the first three weeks against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Run game I thought was great, and you got to see all five of those guys really stand out at certain points of the game. And I thought in the run game, especially in the second half. Some good concepts, too. I love man. that same side power. I mean, I guess some might even call it a, a draw, but it was to me it's kind of same side uh, counter, excuse yep. me, because it's a – it's a slower developing play. It's just that the back's on the same side, so it has a, a delayed draw look to it, but the blocking was counter blocking. Yep, exactly. So to me, it's same side counter. Lane, and they ran. You saw Lane Johnson at the yeah, point of attack. Yeah. The pullers from the backside. Alan Barber did an outstanding job on both of those yep, two plays back to back with Smallwood. And I thought Smallwood showed tremendous short area burst. You know, that that's what he is. Yeah. And I, I, it'll be interesting. He's another guy as we go forward. Um, in the context of this offense, and we've talked about this before. He's not as dynamic a player as, let's say, Jamal Charles. Okay, he's just not as as explosive yep. naturally. But I think in the context of this offense, he could be used in a similar way. And you see how well backs are used in this offense for people who follow the league. And and if you look at Kansas City, you look at Spencer Ware. Okay, this guy catches a lot of balls in Kansas City down the field too. 
And I think Smallwood could be used in that way. And I think Smallwood's definitely got more juice than than Spencer I do too. Does. I do so too. But I'm saying it's the, it's exactly. the manner in which of they're course. used. Exactly. That's what makes it exciting. And too, you talked about the scheme. Very multiple in the run game too. Oh, which yeah. We saw this past yeah. week. I mean, you saw the you talked about the same side counter plays. There were also you know those outside zone run yeah. games where they were bringing a receiver in orbit motion from the other side to hold those backside defenders. They did such a great job multiple times, whether it was Kenyon Barner or right. Wendell Smallwood, uh, running to any, one side and any bringing receivers the other way. Hesitation of second level defenders, and even for half a beat, that matters in the NFL. Yeah, no doubt about it, and it's. Uh, I'll be interested to see just on the offensive line, just how the situation. Obviously, we'll, we'll see what happens with Lane Johnson and how that situation plays itself out. But uh, it was really, really good to see that offensive line really come together this week. Came under some fire this, you know, this past couple sure. of weeks. With, you know, especially Jason Kelsey. I thought Jason Kelsey had his best game for sure uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So really, really good to see all those guys really come together. Any other big takeaways from this offense that uh, we haven't yet talked about? We've already been going for almost fifteen minutes now. Well, let's take a look at the notes. Let's I, go. Let's I, go to. The, I, I you, brought my notes. You, copious I, notes my copious here. notes, and you know, well, one thing, two things that that I wouldn't have thought until I really. I, well, I would have thought one. I wouldn't have thought the other. The Eagles lead the NFL in time of possession. Yeah. 30, almost 37 minutes a game. I would not have thought that. And then we'll talk later about how that impacts the defense. Right. But yes. And through three games, Wentz has been really good on third down. And I think for a rookie, that's really, really – he's averaging over eight yards per attempt on third down. That's really, really good. So those are two statistical takeaways. Do you have his blitz numbers? I don't uh, offhand. No. I know they were really, really – they were excellent against Cleveland. I know that they were good again, and we didn't see a ton of blitzing against Chicago, with Chicago, and with uh, more so with even Chicago right. than we saw last past week against Pittsburgh. But it's amazing to me how good he's been against the blitz because you're almost getting to the point, Greg, where you wonder how much defensive coordinators are going to want to blitz him uh, moving forward because of how good he's been in those situations. And and you hit something earlier, which to me, and we talked about this with a throw he made against Cleveland, and you you use the term which I've used as well about DNA throw. Well, I think the quarterback's ability to stand in the pocket and deliver the ball under duress, I think that's a DNA thing too. Carson Wentz has that. Yeah, it's going to be something. That's Every time the Eagles offense goes out on the field, I'm like on the edge I of my know, seat it's, watching. It's, it's been pretty exciting to be yeah, able to do. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the other side of the ball. Obviously, look, the offense was great on Sunday and for, for a lot of different reasons defensively, they were outstanding. I was so excited to come in. You know, you had an idea because we did the all-22 you know, yeah. all stuff on Sunday on game day that went up on the site Monday morning. But to go in, I was so excited to go in and watch how the game plan was executed from the defensive side on, on Monday. It was outstanding. It's so funny how you say that because, as you know, I see a lot of film of every team. I've been doing this for a long time. 37 years. Uh, yes, 37 <laughs> years. Thank you for reminding me. Um, I thought – well, I've thought for a while that, you know, Jim Schwartz is a really good coach. And I've gotten to know him a little bit through the years. But watching this game plan, it just – it really struck me that – and I always feel this way, let's say, when I watch Mike Zimmer's defense. It's not complicated, but it's it's basic stuff that when you see it, you go, wow, that's really good. Yeah. And on the first two third downs, the way they doubled Brown, I thought overall – they put the burden on the D-line to rush the quarterback and the corners because there were a lot of plays in this game because of what they wanted to do with Brown where one of the outside corners, the hat was on him, and he had to play man. Now, it wasn't against Brown usually, right. but it was you know Coates, it was we, whoever the other 
receiver was outside the numbers. And knowing Jim, I guarantee during the week he probably had a few choice words when he talked to his team, his D linemen and his corners about wearing the hat this week, and he probably didn't say it the way probably I not. just said it. Yep. But I thought that, you know, he they, he challenged those groups, and they they showed up. You could tell just by the way that they played that that was probably yep. the case. Uh, really just an impressive outing from front to back yep. uh, from this entire defense. And you start out, let's start up front because this team is based on this four-man rush, and it really kind of makes everything else go. And it allows you – we've talked about this a little bit in the past – it allows you to do a lot on the back end, stay simple on the front end, yep. and just get after the quarterback. They come in waves. Brandon Graham has been outstanding. Uh, Fletcher Cox has been what and, we expected him to be. Logan. Multiple alignments. They, you know, they've yeah. lined up Cox. Uh, he's played DND tackle. Uh, Curry's done that as well. Graham's done that. Barwin is a little bit of a movable chess piece. So there's a lot of different front looks, Fran, with yep. the same personnel. And we saw that a lot this week with Dean's yeah, lighting inside. No question. And you talked about relying on the four-man rush. Only 13 blitzes in four games. Three games. So that's basically four a game. And, you know, one thing I've learned early on when I really started this and had a chance to really spend a lot of time with coaches years ago was they all talk about it as a numbers game. And, you know, it almost goes back to Dick LeBeau when he he didn't come up with his own blitz, but he's the one who sort of pioneered it. And he always talked about you're trying to get to the quarterback without compromising coverage. And if you can rush four and get to the quarterback, you don't compromise coverage really at all because you have seven in coverage. And now you have a lot of things you can do with those seven. And the Eagles have played a number of different coverages. Um, They play almost 50% out of two deep safeties, whether it's zone or man. Uh, But they're able to do a lot of things and – the four-man rush has been really, really good. No question. I think I, I made the comment on Sunday that we know that Fletcher Cox is an elite talent. I feel like Brandon Graham is playing the best of the four guys up front uh, at this point. Just in the, what we've seen through three, he's got a sack in each game, and it's not even necessarily about the sack production. You even know what I mean? I mean he's been he's outstanding. Really well. Yeah. Absolutely. He blew up a, a play side counter yep. uh, very early in the game yep. down on the goal line for them uh, where he, he took out not yep. one, not two, three blockers from yeah. the Pittsburgh side. Uh, he was, I mean, he's been outstanding. Well, this is phases. what Brandon Graham was when he came out of college, and he got stuck sort of playing in different defenses that didn't fit him. But for the most part, he's a wide nine pass rusher, and that's predominantly what he's asked to play in this defense. No doubt. So then you, you go back to the second level. Uh, you see Jordan Hicks, who – Thought had another he had a I strong he, game this past week too. You know, it's funny. Here's what they do because they play a lot of zone. I think their underneath defenders, which are usually linebackers and a safety, rally to the football really well. I mean, they look fast on film when yeah. they rally to. Don't you agree? I 100. percent Yep. I mean, and and if you play zone, that's an absolutely critical part because you can't. If you're playing zone, that means balls will be five yard passes will be caught. But they have to be five or six yard gains, yep. not fifteen yard gains. No doubt. And they've been rallying to the ball, pursuing to the football with great speed. Don't quote me on this, but I, I remember looking at the numbers on Monday. We're shooting this now Tuesday night. I know that the Eagles averaged on offense ten yards after the catch per reception. Got it. I'm pretty sure the Steelers averaged three. Yards after catch per reception. That could be true. I remember a few plays with Brown, so, you know. That's uh, right. I, right. I, I, I want to go and take a look at right. that. I remember, but either way, they were very good yeah. at tackling the catch. Very uh, good. Uh, this past Sunday. A lot, and that, that starts 
from the uh, from the front back. I mean, you, you have great pursuit yep. from the defensive line. Uh, the guys up in the in the second level from linebackers and safeties really seeing things very quickly. And while I know we're just talking about linebackers, and we and Nigel Bradham has been very solid, and uh, you know Jordan Hicks has been outstanding. Malcolm Jenkins at safety, yeah, was awesome. Was, yeah. It was maybe his best game as an Eagle. And this I think Sunday. McLeod's played well too. Absolutely, you know he's the a little different player. Was ridiculous. Yeah, and he's a little different player yeah. only because he plays deep more than Malcolm. Malcolm's closer to the ball ninety percent of the plays, but Malcolm Jenkins, you know, he's one of those safeties. And again, we're just talking about the way he's used. I'm not going to sit here and compare him, you know, to Rod Woodson or, or you know Charles Woodson, but I mean. He plays like that because he does. He's asked to do so many things, and he does them well. Yeah, and you see him, you know, run up and attack the line of scrimmage yep. in the screen game. You see him uh, play at the point of attack. Plays, not as much this year because he's not playing in the slot, but plays man to man on plays man to man on tight ends. And I mean, we saw yeah, him at yeah. times get matched up yeah. the, the play early in the game. Just because of alignment and just right. what ended up happening in coverage, he ended up one-on-one on Brown on first and 10, and he undercut a route. Right. Unbelievable job flipping his hips and reacting to the throw and undercut the route and got the ball on the ground. Did you think that was zone, that play, or man? I think it was zone, and it turned into man yeah. because of the alignment. We, we kept looking at that play you know, 10, 11 times to figure – I know. I remember the play exactly. I, I yeah. kind of thought – because yeah. I watched it the same way, too. They brought Brown in motion from yeah. the other side, and yep. when he ran the inbreaker, I kind of think yeah. – Jenkins just stuck yeah. on him like it was man, but uh, just outstanding play from the safeties. The corners. What did you think of Jalen Mills this past week? You know what? I actually thought he played pretty good. He got beat by Coates. Yep. Uh, but I thought because he played a lot of snaps, and you know, obviously he was the left corner in their nickel, and they played a ton of nickel. I thought he battled throughout the game so well. Yeah. Now he's gotten beat a few times this year, but you know that he's a rookie, and that's going to happen. But I really thought. When you watch every snap, and that's the only way to do it with corners because you have to see the plays where the ball's not thrown. I thought he really battled hard. He was not intimidated when he had to play Brown man-to-man. If you told me that he was lining up against Antonio Brown not knowing who he was, I would believe you because he did not play like a, a corner no. that knew he was going up against the best no, receiver No, and they the played a lot of single high this week, more, you know, more than I thought they would because they played more man than I thought they would. Yeah. And – there were times he was matched up on Brown, and I, I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah, I, it's really good to see the rookie playing yep. well. I think Nolan Carroll. Is I thought he played really well. well too. Carroll's playing, and yeah. this goes back to last year. Yeah. Carroll's playing really well. Yeah, uh, whether it's coming down and playing the run, playing the ball downfield, the instincts that they. I know that a lot of people wanted this to be an interception. The instincts he showed on the fake screen, the bubble, where he was over number one, he was over the number one receiver. They faked a screen inside. And oh, he where he almost off. intercepted the ball? Yeah, he yeah, peels off yeah. against number yeah. two, number yeah. three, whoever yeah, was remember. running the real route. Yeah. Great instincts to yeah. be able to go yeah. up and make a play on that yeah. ball. Yeah. Um, so Nolan Carroll's playing really well. Just the, this defense in general. It's a lot to be excited re- about. Yeah, it's playing really well. I mean, I think that's pro- – look, Wentz, we've talked about no one expected this. It's unbelievably exciting. But the defense, I don't think anybody would have expected this either. Yeah. And, and with a new coordinator, because it's always new things to learn, um, some new players – uh, you know, obviously McLeod is a new player, a good player, but a new player. Carroll back from a major injury. A rookie who's now essentially, you know, because who knows when McKelvin will be back. So Jalen Mills is getting a ton of snaps. And um, I don't know. To me, it's going to be hard to sit Jalen Mills down, but I guess they'll make that decision when they sure. need to. Yep. Yeah, it'll be very, very interesting to see how that all plans out. But uh, Greg Cosell, very exciting time here in Philadelphia. Excited to talk to you next week. We'll, we won't be able to talk as much about the Eagles right, next week. Right. But – Big game against the Detroit Lions going back 
It's a little bit of a time to look back at that last Thanksgiving game last year. Which wasn't a good one. No, it wasn't a good one. So hopefully the Eagles looking for revenge next week in Detroit. Thanks again for joining us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. All right, fan. Thanks. Great stuff from Greg. Again, you can follow him on Twitter just like I do, at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at FDuffy3. That's where I post all of the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce here at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know I greatly appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That's one way to support this show. The other is to go on iTunes, go on Stitcher, wherever you listen, and leave us a rating and leave us a comment. You know, I want to give a shout-out to JMT5625, who rated the show and left a comment on our iTunes page saying how much he enjoyed listening to the podcast. So thanks to JMT and all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, whether it's the Eagles Live podcast with Dave Spadaro or the Eagles Insider podcast with Chris McPherson and Alex Smith, a great new addition to our podcast offerings this fall. And also the Journey to the Draft podcast, which will make its return as soon as this Eagles season ends. We hope later rather than sooner this year. All right, let's keep this show going. I wanted to wrap it up. I teased it earlier. I caught up with Eagles center Jason Kelsey to talk about blocking up the crossdog blitz as a center. Let's get to that now in Two Technique. Time to get inside the mind of a player. It's time for Two Technique. Here now with Eagles center Jason Kelsey. And Jason, one of the more popular blitzes you'll see around the NFL, the crossdog blitz, covered it a few times here on the podcast. I wanted to talk to you just about from an offensive line perspective, how you block it up and, and why it can be so difficult against the run and the pass. Well, you know, obviously uh, three, four defenses are stout against the run. They pack them in there with seven guys, uh, usually large guys. So you're trying to figure out where you want to go with the blocking schemes, whether you want to fan it out, whether you want to keep it in tight, whether you want to go to one of the guys and kind of slide it. And the cross dog can kind of uh, pairs really well with a – uh, another blitz that the defense runs, which would be uh, buck pressure, buck and will, uh, Sam and will. Um, so you have the two outside guys and you have the two inside guys. So if teams are really doing a good job of disguising which one of those they're bringing, um, it's, uh, it can lead to some problems in the run game or the pass game. So as an offense, you just try and get little indicators on film or uh, you know, there's some plays that are designed to kind of take advantage of that, and um, you, know, you go from there. Typically, it seems like just watching it that it often when they bring those two guys inside, they're dropping guys on the from the outside from the exterior of the pressure. So, is that something you guys try and account for if you do read that pre-snap? Well, yeah, you know that if the two guys are coming, that the outside guys are dropping unless they're running some sort of covered zero blitz, um, and then vice versa when the two outside guys are coming, the two inside guys are dropping. So, usually those go hand in hand. Um, it's just uh, trying to figure out which one they're doing. Great stuff from Jason. Thanks to him, Greg Cosell, and all of you out there listening, whether you're on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify. You guys know the list, of course, and obviously PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. Thank you, and if you get the time, again, rate the show, leave us a comment, let us know what you think, shoot us a question. I want to hear from everybody out there and keep making all of you happy. So wherever you listen, just go shoot us a comment, and we can keep making this show better each and every week. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. For my producer, BT, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you next week.